Welcome back to Sister Ellie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church-related. And on today, we are going to finish up our study or our summary of the epistle of the apostle or the or James, the overseer, I should say, of the church at Jerusalem. Now, James is also the brother of Jesus Christ, and this book has five chapters in it and we are going to see if we can cram chapters four and chapters five into this episode on today listen we have learned some good stuff here in the book of james we have learned not to have favoritism no respect of person we've learned that we can't be uh, tossed to and fro we have to have one mind we can't be double-minded just back and forth back and forth god does not like that we've learned to let patience have a perfect work in us and we learned that we be when we we need to be perfect perfect and that is mature in the things of God. So we've learned that we must grow and we must mature in the things of God. We've also learned that uh, faith without works is basically dead, just as the body without the spirit, without the breath of life is dead, then faith without works is dead. And we can also say vice versa, works without faith is also dead we've learned this and we've learned about the tongue that tongue that little member within our body that member that is caged if you will between teeth and lips is a fire and listen that fire can set the course of our life the course of nature I can light it up with the tongue, with the things that come out of our mouth. We also discuss how Jesus began to say, it is not, not what goes inside of a man that defiles a man. It is what comes out of that man. What comes out of the mouth is what defiles that man. And we've learned all of that here in the book of James and we want to continue on to see what else James has to say for us and here in chapter 4 excuse me we are going to learn about selfishness and greed my God from Zion and then in chapter (coughs) 5 excuse me we are going to learn about what he has to say to the rich now let's be clear about it not all rich people are ungodly but james is talking to those who are and who and to us as well who will be someday so we have to take what james is saying here to those who are already rich and we have to put it in our bag so we can use it in the day that we come become rich those of us who are not rich at this time and we will need this word so we are going to see what james has to tell us concerning selfishness and greed here in chapter four now this chapter opens with fights and quarrels my god from zion james gives clear advice on how to overcome the the storms that are harmful to spiritual growth 
A believer must turn hatred into humility, judgment into justice, and boasting into belief. Listen, the cause of our conflicts, again, James starts with a question as he always does. What causes fights and quarrels among you, among the people of God, among the children of God, among the believers? What causes fights and quarrels among you? And James began to answer this question on his own accord. James says, the major source of quarrels and conflicts in the church centers in a desire for recognition, for honor, for power, pleasure, money, and superiority. What? Conflict comes out of our inner sensual lusts or pleasures. The satisfaction of selfish desires become more important than righteousness and the will of God. When this occurs, self-centered conflicts and are created within the congregations. My God from Zion. When James answers this question, he does not cut it any slack. He said, all of that, quarrels and fights, all that conflict in the church, it is centered around the desire for recognition. My God from Zion. Have, have you experienced that? Have you saw that in the church today? I don't know about you, but I have. Yeah, somebody wants to be recognized, wants power wants honor and then there is a conflict started in the midst of the congregation there there is a, a cliques form and and this one don't want to have any dealings with that one and things of that nature yes i have seen it and james is hitting on it here today this word is relevant for us today in 2022 my God, the satisfaction of selfish desires become more important than righteousness and the will of God. When this occurs, self-centered conflicts are created within the congregation. Yes, the war is the, uh, war is the fruit of inappropriate wants. He's telling us why inappropriate wants, things that we want that are against the laws and the commandments of God, which we cannot have, but we want them. This is how war begins. Conflict begins. Quarrels begin. My God from Zion. James said, so you are ready. You can't have it, so you're ready to kill. How do we kill? We're not killing with guns and, and, and weapons. We're killing with the tongue. You can't have what you want, so you're ready to kill. You are jealous of people. But you still cannot get what you want. Then you argue and you fight. Still, you do not get what you want because you do not ask God. So the thing that you want, you don't get it even though you you get upset and you uh, jealous of people and you're ready to kill with the mouth, with the tongue, you're ready to fight, you're ready to argue, but you still don't get what you want. Why? Because you have not asked God for it. In this case, it's not going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> and asking God is the correct way for Christians to have their needs met. 
That's the right way to have your needs met. Is to ask God. But James says when you do decide on asking God. When you come to yourself. And you realize that it's just not going to fall out of the sky. Or you just can't get it from somebody else. And you do decide to ask God for it. What did James say? He said you, re- you do not receive it because you are asking for the wrong reasons. Yeah, the motives behind your asking are not righteous. The reason that you're not, uh, the reason you're asking, the motives you're asking, why are you asking for what this thing that you're asking for? Well, because you're asking for your own pleasures. You're asking for selfish reasons. This is why you don't get it. Yeah, James is letting us know, listen. You want something that you can't have. And then that what you want, you don't get because you don't ask for it. Ask God for it. And then when you do figure it out and you decide to ask God for it, you still don't get it. Why? Because you're asking for the wrong reasons. My God from Zion, you have your motives are wrong. They're not righteous. They're unrighteous motives. It's for your pleasure. That's why you're asking. So you can do what you want. No, no, no. That's a no. That's why we don't receive when we ask because we're asking. The, the King James says we ask amiss. We're asking for the wrong reason. We're asking for something that God is not in, basically is not in the will of God for our lives. And we're asking for it and he is not going to give it to us. He is a good father. He's not going to give us something that is going to destroy us, that is going to kill us, that is going to lead us down the wrong road. He is a good father father he will not do it and that's a that's one of the major reasons why we do not receive the things that we ask for especially when we're asking for the wrong reasons or most importantly I should say when we're asking for the wrong reasons therefore you are not loyal to God James is saying he said you adulterers You know, because God is our husband, man. We are his bride. So James is calling us adulterers because we're not loyal. We're not being a loyal bride to God because we want other things. James began to say, you should know. You should know better, in other words, that loving the world Being in friendship with the world, things of the world, wanting things of the world, wanting these pleasures of the world. He said it's the same as hating, having hostility toward God. If you want the things and you want to do the things of the world, it's the same as hating God. You don't want God in your life. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. My God from Zion, I want to go deep on that aspect, but this is just a summary and we're just going to stay with a summary. But if, if, if we like to do the things of the world, we like to, um, 
uh, just party and go out and have fun and uh, uh, go to all these worldly occasions, these worldly um, uh, events, dress worldly, just all kind of way, just, just because the world is doing it, going along with the world. We talked about that broad and that narrow road, walking on that broad road that everybody else is walking on and not, and, and not even considering that the road to God is a narrow road. All of that is the same thing here. James is saying anyone, anyone who wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. My God, I'm sorry. we're going to move on because we can stay there for a minute. But we're going to move on. Do you think the scripture means nothing when it says the spirit that God made to live in us wants us for himself alone? Do you think the scripture is just saying something to be saying something? No, it's not. The spirit that God made to live in us wants us for, for himself and for himself alone. God gives us even more grace according to the scripture. God is against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You can find that in Proverbs 3 and 34 and 1 Peter 5 and 5. God will give us the grace that we need to live in this world and not be of this world. Because though we're living in this world, we are not of the, listen, it takes us back to, we're just travelers. We're just traveling through. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. Those of us that's on the side of the Lord, but those of those that are on the side of the enemy that lives in the kingdom of darkness or loves the kingdom of darkness, hell is going to be your home. <laughs> there is no, no, no cutting, no corners. It's either heaven or hell. We're going to go to one. There is no middle middle land, if you will. Either we're going to live in heaven or we're going to live in hell throughout eternity. James is telling us God is against the proud. Proud and boastful, prideful and arrogant. We read on the last episode at the end, we read a uh, prayer uh, a deliverance from Leviathan, the, the uh, a deliverance from Leviathan. We we want deliverance from that pride, the king of pride, Leviathan. You read about Leviathan in the book of Job. We want to be delivered from that. Why? Because right here we can read the Bible say God is against the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. He's going to give the humble grace to live in this day, in this time, in this season, in 2022. When people are losing their minds, uh, going crazy, shooting and killing and, and all kind of stuff going on. Sin is at its highest peak, it appears. But God will give us grace to make it. We humble ourselves. But the proud, walking around with a prideful spirit, haughtiness, and arrogance, God has nothing to do with you. Why? Because the scripture tells us right here. He is against the proud. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. 
Come on. So James says, so give yourself completely to God. Render obedience like a soldier. Take a stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. The King James Version read, submit yourself to God. All of yourself. Submit unto the obedience of God, the will of God, the things of God, the word of God. Submit to that. Take a stand against the devil. Resist Satan. Resist his demons. Resist the devil. And the devil will flee from you. He will run. He will get away from you. Granted, he no doubt will come back. But you got a weapon there. You know how to use it. Use it. Resist him and he's going to leave you alone. He's going to run from you. He's going to flee from you. This is what the word is telling us on today. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you in response. If we go to God, if we draw nigh to God in response, God is going to draw nigh to us. He's not going to leave us there hanging. We draw nigh to God and God ignoring us. No, honey, it is not. It does not work like that. When we draw nigh to God in response to us he is gonna come near to us it's not like man we draw nigh to men and they ignore us or they go in the other direction or they don't want to have anything to do with us it is not like that where god hear me today god is not going to turn his back on you god is not going to turn away from you When you draw nigh to him, he is going to look you in your face and he is going to come nigh to you. He's going to come near to you. That is his response. And there is nothing the devil can do about that. There is nothing the devil can do. When you draw nigh to God, God is absolutely going to draw nigh to you. He is going to come near to you in response and satan can't do nothing about that hear me clearly draw nigh to god go to god go walk toward god and god is going to walk towards you and ain't a thing the devil can do about it come on somebody yes God is not going to leave you hanging. You're not going to be walking toward God and he's going to turn and go in the other direction. No, God does not work like that. He is a just and a loving God. Walk toward God and he will most definitely walk toward you. And I believe that with everything on the inside of me. And hey, the word of God is telling us that right here. If you walk toward God. In response, God is going to walk towards you. In so many words. Yes. That's just the Alicat version. To draw near to God, it requires his cleansing power. He got to clean us up because we can't go before his throne any kind of way. We can't just be uh, a lolly dolly. And going up saying, God, look at here. No, ain't going to be no God look at here. We have to be cleansed. We can't go to God with all kind of dirt and deceit and evil and wickedness on the inside of us. 
if we say that we are children of God now if we don't know God and we want God to cleanse us up absolutely we can go up, up to God and say God I need you to cleanse me I'm coming to be cleansed I'm coming to be washed purge me with your hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow or oh, absolutely draw near to God it's gonna require us to be cleansed because he is a God like that we can't go before his throne oh willy-nilly if you will because he will not hear us the Bible tells us that he will not hear and it tells us here when we draw nigh to him he, he's going to cleanse us he's going to clean us out get rid of all of that trash that trash pile that we talked about here in the book of James that trash pile that, that is the source of the fire of our tongue He's going to cleanse us of all of that ungodliness, all of that wickedness that dwells or abides on the inside of us. God will do it, creating us a clean heart and a right spirit, oh God. That's Psalms 51. Read Psalms 51. If you're seeking after God, read Psalms 51. Read it first before you go before God. It is a psalm of, of, of um, repentance, if you will. It's a psalm of cleansing. Psalms 51. God will hear you and cleanse you. Read that psalm. Make it uh, added to your your prayer, your, your things that you read on a daily basis and watch God move in your life. Watch God cleanse you. Draw near to God. You're drawing near to God when you read that Psalms. You're drawing near to God and God will cleanse you. I am a witness to that. Now, James begin to say, you sinners, Clean sin out of your lives. Wash your hands. You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time. He said you are double minded. Purify your hearts. Be sad, mourn and weep. Change your laughing into crying and your joy into sadness. Listen. The key to all things with God is humility. We got to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And he will honor us. He will lift, he will lift us up. God will do it. He will bring us into the place of being a vessel unto honor. We don't have to do it on our own accord. God will do it. If we humble ourselves, the key, listen, listen to me. The key to all things in God is humility. We humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. And he is the one who will honor us. Now, James began to get on the people of God. 
and talk about how they're being judges against others. James began to say to slander and judge one another is totally out of agreement with the humble spirit God desires for us. And here is a definition of slander that we can kind of get into our spirits and in our minds so we can understand why James is so harsh on the people here in this letter. Slander is the utterance of the presence, in the presence of a, then um, this is, um, what is this? This is Webster New World Dictionary version. The utterance in the presence of another person of a false statement or statements damaging to a third person's character or reputation. This is slander. So slander is damaging somebody else's character or their reputation. This is what slander is. The accusations are based on hearsay, rumor, or intentional slander. They're doing it because they want to do it. And remain undocumented and unproved. This is slander. So you understand. We can understand here why James came down so hard on the people. To slander and to judge another is totally out of the agreement. To, hum, to, to a humble spirit that God desires for us. He says, brethren, do not tell evil lies about each other in other words do not slander each other if you speak against your brother or your sister in christ or judge them you are judging and speaking against the law hear this if you speak against your brother or sister in christ or judge them you are judging and speaking against you are slandering the law Wow. And you're like saying, how can this be? Well, the law commands love. It is a mandate over all people. Love. So if you are slandering and not loving your brethren, your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are slandering and not loving the law of God. Oh my God from Zion. So if I'm slandering and, and my brother or my sister, I'm slandering the law of God, the words of God, the book of the law, the Bible. I am slandering the Bible because I am slandering. Yes, this is what James is telling us. Why? Because the law commands us to love. Why? It is a mandate. It is a command. It is a principle. It's a rule. You have to love. No one dares to assume a haughty position over the law of God. He, James here is trying to break them down because they were so prideful and so haughty and arrogant. And just full of the attitudes that these people had were so bad that James had to go from attitude in your trials all the way down to... Uh, 
uh, you say you have faith and you don't have faith all the way down to favoritism. You favor this person and you don't like this person and down to the tongue. You gossiping, you killing one another with your mouth, with your tongue, you slandering each other. And then he just said, listen, you're doing all these things. You're slandering. You're not loving. You're slandering the law. You're coming up against the law of God. Because the law of God commands us to love one another as we love ourselves. He said, no one dares to assume a haughty position over the law of God. The slanderer, the one who is judging, that one is convicted by the law of God. Only the humble person, the person that humbles himself is honored by the law of God, my God from Zion. And, and then James began to go into a rant. James says, when you are judging the law, you are no longer a follower. You are no longer a doer of the law. You have become a judge sitting in judgment over the law. There is only one above the law and he alone has the right to modify or to overrule it. God is the only lawmaker, the only lawgiver, and the only judge. He authored the law and he administrates it. God is the executive and judicial branches of the divine governments. God upholds and enforces the law. He, he, is the only one who can save and destroy. So who are you to judge your neighbor? My God from Zion. We had a saying back in the day, it is tight, but it is right. It is very tight. James went on a rant. You sitting in judgment seat. You can't judge someone. There's only one judge. And that is God. He is the only judge. He is the only lawgiver. He authored the law. He administrates the law. He upholds the law. He enforces the law. He is the one that can save and destroy. My God from Zion. James says, so who are you to judge your neighbor? My God from Zion, James is not cutting no corners with us. We cannot judge. God will get us for that. We putting ourselves in God's seat when we judge somebody else. That's what James is telling us. James is telling us that God is the only lawgiver. God is the one who authored the law. He is the only one that can judge. He is the only one that administrates. He is the executive. So when we judge, he's the only judge. So when we judge somebody else, we are putting ourselves in the seat of God. My God, from Zion, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be uh, taken upon myself to sit in God's seat. I'm afraid. I'm scared. To sit in the seat of God. God has not authorized me to sit in his seat. So that brings fear to me. 
So James is letting us know right here. So uh, I should be fearful of judging. If judging puts me in God's seat. Then I should be afraid to judge somebody. My God from Zion. Come on somebody. Don't leave me hanging. We should be afraid to judge. Why? Because it puts us in the seat. James had already broke it down. He broke it down. I mean we, we should be able to understand everything that he said. He said you have become a judge. You are sitting in judgment over the law. There's only one law and only one has the right to modify or overrule it, and that's God. My God from Zion, it is tight, but it is right. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to sit in God's seat. I don't want to be a judge because I am afraid of what may happen to me. Taking upon myself to sit in God's seat. No, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, help me not to judge. Why? Because I don't want to be judged. Yo, know, we can we can read about that in the in the New Testament. We can read about that in the in the Gospels. How we judge another? We got the we. I'm looking at a uh, 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 um, a gnat, if you will, in somebody else's eye. I'm looking at their small fault, and I got a beam in my eye. I got a huge fault. <coughs> Excuse me. Granted, sin is sin. <coughs> Excuse me. But my God from Zion. James continues to clear the thoughts of the believers. He goes to another level of behavior. James is going higher and higher, deeper and deeper. He is reminding us of the things of God and how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to live for God. James says, some of you say today or tomorrow, we will go to some city. We will stay there a year, do business and make some money. This person is selfish, James began to say. This person is self-confident. And this person is self-centered. He said to the selfish hustler, you know, you, you a businessman, you a business person. You say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to make some money. He said to the selfish hustler. James is addressing that attitude. He said, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. How can you say you're going to do this today or tomorrow? He said, man's plans are always tentative. They're not final. Man's plans are not his own. Time is not man's own. In fact, life is not his own. James began to say, your life is like a puff of smoke. You can see it for a short time, but then it vanishes. That is what life is. So you should not say if you should say if the Lord will, 
if it's in the will of the Lord, we will live and do this or do that. God must be included in everything. So James is coming here, coming against that selfishness, that self-centeredness, that self-assertedness. He is, listen, the book of James is dealing with the attitudes of the people of God, the mindsets of the people of God. He is letting us know what we can't do, what we can do, how we should act, how we shouldn't act, how we should talk, how we shouldn't talk. James is making it very clear to us we should not be confused with any of this in the book of James. He says, uh, you can't say uh, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. He said, your life is like a puff of smoke. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. I like the green grass. It, it's here today and it's cut and it's gone tomorrow. The flowers in the field here today and gone tomorrow. He said, what you should say or what you should be saying, if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this. If the Lord will, I'll see you tomorrow, sister, if the Lord wills. Or if the Lord's will, I'll call you later, sister. If the Lord wills, we're going this place uh, next week. If the Lord wills, if it's in the will of God. Or you can say, I'm going to add this in there. You can say, if the Lord tarry. If Jesus don't come next year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go on vacation in this place or that place next year. If the Lord tarry, if he does not come, we have to include God in everything that we do. And we say we have to include God in everything. Because listen, we could be here today and gone tomorrow. And we see that when COVID-19 hit this world hit this earth not that not not to say this nation or that nation the whole entire earth when COVID-19 hit some people were here today and they were gone tomorrow come on somebody hear me today listen to what the man of God is telling us if the Lord's will we will live and do this or we will do that God must be included in everything. But he said, but now you, you people, you arrogant. Referring to the plans of the future and you brag about it. He said, all this bragging is wrong. All that is absolutely wrong. He said, therefore, if any of you. Anyone who knows the right things to do and don't do it. If we don't do it, James told us it's sin. We sinning. It's just the bottom line. If you know to do right and you don't do it, you sinning. You living in sin. Your actions are sin. Everything about you is sin. In the eyesight of God. This is what James is telling us. Anyone who knows the right thing to do. You know. You know the right thing to do. You know what's right. You know it's wrong. But you don't do the right thing. You living in sin. 
God gonna get you. I'm a, Sister Allie Cat's added that on there. So I don't know about you, but I don't want God to get me. So I'm going to do to the best of my ability. Because listen, James told us previously, he said that we all make mistakes. If we everything come out of our mouth is right and everything that we do is right, he said that we are perfect. But I don't know about you. I ain't never seen nobody perfect. I ain't never met nobody. I ain't never came into contact. I have never. Let me get that country out of there. I have never, I'll say it properly, I have never came into contact with a perfect individual. Yeah. Paul said we all make mistakes. Therefore, anyone who knows the right thing to do but does not do it is sinning and that is the bottom line and that is the end of chapter four listen we are going to get chapter five in here and we are done with the book of james yes we're going through it quickly just a summary just summarizing and please forgive me for my, my nose is running my throat is scratchy but we're gonna get this word out here today so chapter five and we we are clear that all rich people are not ungodly but james is talking to those who are ungodly here in chapter five because chapter five is talking to the rich james fourth and strongest blast his fourth and strongest uh rebuke i would say patience under suffering one day Jesus will return and all suffering will be over. Keep your eyes and your hearts fixed on that great day. The greater the suffering here on this earth, the greater the glory that will be received in heaven. Listen, Paul, uh, I want to say Paul. I keep, probably keep saying Paul, but it's James. Listen, we are in the book of James and the writer's name is James. James is warning the rich. He said, you rich people, listen, weep and be very sad because the miseries that are coming to you. Basically, what he's saying that wealth eventually results in misery. Ha! <laughs> My God from Zion, if you are not doing the things of God. I want to add that in there. Your riches have rotted. Your clothes have been eaten by moths. Your gold and silver have corroded. And that corrosion will be evidence against you. It will eat your flesh like fire. You hoarded your treasures for the last days, for the days when Jesus comes, which will be useless in that day. James does not condemn the wealth itself, the money or the things itself, but the greed, the greedy attitude towards it and the actions with which it is obtained. So being wealthy is not a sin. Having money is not a sin. It's a sin when the attitude is towards it is greedy and the actions of how individuals come into to obtain that wealth. When there are unrighteous ways, then it is sinful. 
James said, listen, the wages that you defrauded. Now, this is a way of how to obtain wealth that's wrong. James said, listen, the wages you defrauded from the workers who mold your fields cries out against you. My God from Zion, the wages, the wages cry out against you. God see it. God hears it. He said, and the cries of the harvesters, the workers, have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth, the God of the angel armies, the angelic host, the God of the angelic host is the Lord of Sabaoth. He said, the cries of the people have reached his ears. Your life on earth is full of luxury and pleasing yourselves with everything you wanted. You made your hearts fat. Like an animal ready to be killed, being fatted for the slaughter. In the scramble of more wealth or for more wealth, you just want more. You want more, more money, more wealth, more, more, more. The rich use their influence in in the courts of justice. You have condemned and then murdered innocent people who offer no resistance. So you took the people to court. Yes, just evilness. You took them to court and you did evil in the court system. Bribing the judges and the lawyers and the people in the court system. So the individual ended up killed, ended up murdered. And that person did not resist you, is what James is telling us. What began as an interest in money ended up in murder this is the path that money or the desire or the greed towards wealth can take an individual down that path can lead to murder that path can lead to death so James wants us to be mindful Of the attitude that we have towards wealth, towards money. Yes, God is about to bless. There is a wealth transfer taking place right now, even as we speak in 2022. A wealth transfer is taking place. The wealth of the wicked are laid up for the righteous. A wealth transfer is taking place. God's people. He's bringing in the harvest for us. But here he wants us to be mindful of how we act or the attitude that we have towards that wealth that he has given us. That he's bringing into our lives right now. Be mindful of the attitude that we have towards that wealth because listen if we have the wrong attitude or we uh, gather it in the wrong way it can lead to murder it can lead to death James says a believer who seeks spiritual growth does not become caught up in the accumulation of wealth for himself he should share his possessions For God's glory and the good of others. God will continue 
when he does this, God will continue to give that person wealth. So when you uh, use your wealth for the glory of God, in other words, you do good, charity, things of that nature. When you are doing good, God will continue to bless you. He will continue to supply everything that you need. He will continue to give you an abundance, an overflow of wealth. But when you're are hoarding it and keeping it for yourself. It's all about you and what you desire, your pleasures and your lust and doing nothing for God. God frowns on that. So James is letting us know when we come into this wealthiness and this abundance and this uh, because of the wealth transfer that's going on right now today, when we come into all of these things, Money and things that God is giving to his people. He wants us to be mindful of the attitude that we have. It is not to keep it for ourselves. It is to be used for the glory of God. And God will continue to supply what you need and even give you your heart's desire. James turns around and he says, be patient. Therefore, brethren, be patient until the Lord comes again. Focus on the final lap of the race in life instead of focusing on the things that you can get and the things that you can have and not use it for God. He says, focus on, I mean, we're living in the last and evil days. Focus on that. Be patient until the day of Jesus Christ, until Jesus returns. Have a long fuse. Don't just pop off at everything, every and anything. Look ahead to the Lord's coming. Gives us an example. A farmer patiently waits for his precious crop to grow from the earth and from it to receive the early and the late rains. We too must be patient. Don't give up hope. Strengthen your hearts. Because the Lord, he truly is coming soon. Don't grumble against each other or you will be judged guilty. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about that tongue and and our emotions towards each other and favoritism. None of that. Cease from the petty conflicts that you have. I mean, petty, just petty, just stuff that don't even make no sense. Just carrying on for no reason at all. James tell us, cease from that. Stop all that foolishness. Come on, we got to mature in the spirit. It's not even worthy. It's not even worth the breath that I breathe out to address that. That goes back to being uh, swift to listen and slow to speak. I'm listening and what you're saying or what you're doing is not even worthy of my reaction. It's not even worthy of the breath that I breathe out of my mouth. It's not worthy. Come on. James is saying, cease from all that petty stuff, all those petty conflicts. Follow the examples of the prophets who spoke for the Lord. They suffered many hard things, but they endured. They went through a lot, but they endured it. Yes. We consider them blessed. Yeah, they are blessed. They suffered, they endured, and they're going to be with Jesus. We consider them blessed because they persevered. 
He's given us examples. So remember Job's endurance and the purpose God had for him in the end. Job went through something. Lost his children, lost everything. He was a rich man. He lost everything. All of his uh, wealth, he lost it. He even lost his family. Then the enemy attacked his body, the devil. Satan is what the Bible tells us. Read the book of Job. Attacked his body. So he, Job was in a, in a, in a, um, he was despondent. He was in a, a mindset of despair. But he endured. He went through it. He suffered through it. He was patient through it. Well, sometimes he wasn't. <laughs> Let's take that back. But he endured. We must understand this. The Lord is full of mercy and is compassionate. God is going to have mercy on us and he is going to bring us through it. Many are the afflictions of the righteousness, of the righteous, but God brings us through or delivers us. This, the scripture reads, delivers him out of them all. God will deliver us out of everything. James says, brother and above everything, do not use an oath. When you take a vow, do not swear. Do not use the name of heaven, earth, or anything else to prove what you say. He said, when you mean yes, say only yes. And when you mean no, say only no. So you will not be judged guilty. In other words, don't just don't add on a bunch of foolishness. If the answer is yes, just say it. Yes. And you ain't you don't you do not have to add anything else. If the answer is no, just say no. You do not have to add anything else. Because when we start to add stuff and start making vows and start swearing, you know, using the name of heaven and earth and anything else, then we find ourselves guilty and we're going to be judged as guilty. As James begins to end this letter, there is a call to prayer. James brings us, he is beginning to come to the end and there is a call for prayer. Anyone who is suffering or in trouble, anyone who is in trouble, he said, you should pray. Anyone who is joyful, you should sing the song. Sing and give praises to God. Anyone who is sick should call the church's elders. And the elders should pray for and pour oil on that person. That, that is where the anointing oil comes from. This scripture. This is another scripture. This is one of the scriptures. Let me put it like that. This is a scripture. You wonder why... Uh, the preachers and the teachers and the apostles and all those in charge, when they pray for individuals, they pour oil on them. This is a scripture that will give you the understanding of why they do that. Said, uh, call for the elders. The elders will pray and pour oil on the person. They will anoint them with olive oil in the name of the Lord. So this is where that comes from. This is a uh, scripture that you can use when you want to understand where that comes from. It is here in the book of James. The prayer that is said with faith 
will make the sick person well. So we're praying in faith. Remember our works. You can put that all and you can pray. But if there is no faith there, it's not going to do anything. But the scripture here tells us the oil and the prayer and they prayed in faith. It says that person will become well. The Lord will heal them because of the faith of the individuals praying. If the person has sinned, the sins will be forgiven. Isn't that, isn't that all right? That is all right. In conclusion, James encourages the believers to confess your sins to each other and to pray for one another so God can heal you. Have a mutual concern for each other. Unity. When a believing person prays, great things happen. Just like when Elijah prayed in the book of 1 Kings 17 through 18. He says, fellow believers, if one of you strays, if one of you falls away from the faith, strays from the truth, and someone helps you come back to God, he said, remember, anyone who brings a sinner back from the wrong way will save that sinner's soul from death. And will cause many sins to be forgiven. So any, in, in, in other words, when God uses you to encourage somebody to come back to him, you're doing a great work. You're saving that person's soul from death. And God has forgiven their many sins. So you are doing a great work in God. When God uses you, listen, James went down through there and he told us about ourselves. He told us about our attitudes in the midst of our trials. He told us about favoritism. He told us about our prejudice selves. He told us about our tongues setting a course of nature on fire. We need to be uh, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. If we are listening and we are listening well, we won't get angry. We are hearing what that individual is saying. We are hearing what that wife or that husband is saying. We are listening. We are not flipping off at the mouth. Listen, that mouth will cause people to go into despair. That mouth will destroy a marriage, a family. That mouth will destroy a church. Listen, boy, James went down through there. He did not cut any corners. Keep that mouth caged in the, that tongue caged within the teeth and the lips. There is a cage there for that tongue. Listen, the tongue is evil. It's wicked. It spews out fire. It does and it kills. Listen, we got to get a hold to that tongue. And, and James let us know that faith without works is dead and works without faith is dead. <coughs> My God from Zion, if I have faith and I'm not doing anything, it, it is worthless to me. If I have, if I'm doing a bunch of works and I don't have no faith, it is worthless to me. 
James has told us, listen, we are building on a foundation. We are growing. We are maturing in God. He's letting us know. (coughs) Excuse me. He's letting us know God is going to bless us. We know that we're in a wealth transfer here in 2022. And James is telling us what kind of attitude that we are supposed to have when it comes to wealth, when it comes to money. We're not supposed to keep it for ourselves. We're not supposed to use it for ourselves. We are supposed to use it for God. We are supposed to keep it for God. Oh my God, from Zion. Yes, we are supposed to use it. For the will of God. And guess what? Once we do that, God is going to continue to bless us. He's going to continue to place money in our hands. He's going to continue to transfer that wealth. He's going to continue to do it for us. He is going to give us the desires of our heart. As long as we do are doing the will of God, we are living according to the way that the Lord wants us to live. And God is going to do it. If we continue Yes, sir. And we continue in the word of God. Yes, my brother and my sister. God is good. I'm telling you, we are building on a good foundation. We went to the book of Amos and we found out all the evil and the wickedness that was going on in the book of Amos and we gleaned and we applied what we needed to apply to our lives. Yes, we did. Then we came over to the book of Timothy and Paul began to preach to Timothy about uh, uh, the ways the pastoral epistles epistle about the ways that we are supposed to conduct ourselves in the church my God from Zion and what how we are supposed to live in the midst of the congregation and the leaders and all that and we learn all that in the book of first and second timothy and then god led us over to the book of james my god from zion he was building a foundation he was taking us back to the old time where he was taking us back to our first love so we can find out what we are supposed to be doing in this time and in this season listen jesus is soon to come god is uh he's judging the nations right now even as we speak and we don't want to be on the wrong side we want to be on the right side and god is breaking us down building rebuilding on the foundation we already got a foundation we already know that jesus christ died upon the cross for our sins we know that he rose on the third day we know hallelujah my god from zion that god is coming back jesus is coming back for us we are we know all this we got a foundation we know and we believe and we confess that he is our lord and savior so we have a foundation so the lord in my case if you will the lord is uh uh destroying that old riggedy house that house that had holes and in uh cracks and crevices in it where the enemy was able to come in and steal things from my life and so now he is rebuilding and i know somebody is going with me on today he is rebuilding and we are rebuilding here and on sister alley cast t and we are on this journey together listen 
I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy you hearing what I have to say about the word of God, what I have to say about my life. My God from Zion, I'm asking the Lord, what are we going to do next? What are we going to talk about next? What are we going to learn next? What are we going to build next? Because we are building on a solid foundation and we want to build and we want to do it well. Why? Because we want to do the work of the Lord in the last and evil days. We want to be righteous. We want to walk upright. We do not want to sit in the judgment seat. We don't want to have favoritism. No, we don't want any of that. We want to be righteous before God, just as Abraham was counted righteous for the things that he did. And that's how we want to be. We want to be counted righteous by the things that we do. In Jesus name, my Gotham Zion, I just got excited here at the end, but I want to say thank you for listening to Sister Ellie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. And we're going to see what God has for us next because I know that he has some goodness and I know that we're going to need a fork and a spoon to eat. Yes. Glory be to the Lamb of God. So my God from Zion, thank you for listening to Sister Ellie Cat's team. And I want to say I love you and I will talk to you soon. Be blessed. <laughs>